Well, good morning, everybody. Once again, whether you're here or online, my name is Chris Kimston, and I'm a minister here at Hope Elam. And over the last several years, I've gotten this opportunity to preach uh, the weekend after Christmas. You know, John and Pastor Hurst, you know, they're, they're getting a, a well-deserved break. And so each year, it's kind of become a little bit of a tradition that I'll let all of our church family in on now. We look at the, uh, the New Year's resolutions for the the upcoming year, what the most popular ones have been. So quick show of hands, uh, put in the comments on the chat if uh, this is you as well. Quick show of hands, do we have New Year's resolution people in here? You like resolutions. This is your time. Pastor John, I know that he's raising his hand, Pastor Hurst. Okay, totally fine. People actually feel kind of guilty for some reason about liking New Year's resolutions. I, I say this every year, love New Year's resolutions. I love me a fresh start. Oh, it feels so good to just like get that new year, to get that new opportunity to make those changes that you want. And I love them every year. And uh, so every year we've kind of taken a look at these uh, resolutions. And in the past, they've been the ones that maybe you'd expect in the past. Uh, people talk about wanting to lose some weight. They want to they wanna improve their fitness. Maybe they have some financial goals of uh, being more prosperous financially would be one way of saying it. Um, they want to have better financial management. Last year, actually, one of the new ones that popped up, God bless these folks, uh, they wanted to travel more. That was the big 2021. I don't know how many people got to do that this year. And I mention these resolutions because it gives us this collective sense uh, this kind of good view overall of where people's hearts are at coming into the new year. We kind of get to know where, where people's priorities are, what they're interested in as they're looking forward to a brand new year. And uh, the interesting thing is uh, the most popular New Year's resolutions for 2021, if you look online, might look a little bit different. They might look like, <laughs> I just want to go outside my house. The next one might be, I want to see another human being in front of me. Maybe the last one is, I want to find a single hobby that will keep my interest for more than four and a half seconds. And I say all of these in jest, but uh, also, if you would have showed last year's Chris giving this sermon this list, I'd have been like, what happened, right? Whether you are a New Year's resolution person or not, we are all going into this new year with a different perspective on the world. We are going in with a lot of different things on our minds. What Pastor Hurst and Pastor John said just a few days ago in our Christmas Eve sermons, uh, Christmas is talking about something that isn't just relegated to, the, to wrapped presents and good meals and dressed up trees and wrapping presents. What Pastor Hurst and Pastor John talked about is Christmas is actually just reminding us of what's true the entire year. People are like, man, why can't I just keep the Christmas spirit? You can because it's reminding us of what's true each year. And because of that, we are going to keep this sanctuary decorated. The re I'm just kidding. Uh -uh. <laughs> but it is true. Uh, Christmas is something that is not seasonal. The truth of God's love, the truth of God manifesting in the form of a person, of a baby who was laid in a manger and was uh, grown up to defeat the brokenness and death and sin of the world doesn't need any sort of time frame. In fact, it doesn't have one. That's kind of the point. Now, while I do question some people who might listen to Christmas music all year round, the truth of Christmas is something we celebrate all year here at Hope Elam. 
So what we're talking about this morning is the next step from Christmas Eve. You're saying, okay, we're going into 2021, recognizing that things aren't going to be quite ideal like we want. Uh, Spoiler alert, I don't know if you know this, but when the calendar turns from 2020 to 2021, everything is not magically going to be transformed into the way that we want them to be. We're going to get to the other side, and for a lot of us, we're going to go, oh, wait a second. Still got to wear my mask. I still got to be careful. It looks a lot like it did 10 seconds ago before the ball dropped online. (laughs) You see, they'll look the mostly the same, but we have hope that we made it through this last year. We did that together. And we're going to try to carry this true holiday spirit into the bleak holidayless winter months of January and February. The devil's months. Just kidding. But really, a lot of people don't like them. And There's this tendency that I would like to talk about this morning, that each new year, we look at these resolutions, we look at our lives, and we rightfully try to make this a better year. We say, this is my new year, new year, new me, we're going to do this thing, let's go. And that is a holy ambition. That is a great thing to want to be, uh, to make personal improvements and live more into who God wants you to be. The problem is we don't always know what that means at the very core of it. What does it mean to be better? What does it mean to personally improve? What does that actually mean? If we look at the most popular New Year's resolutions, people want to make more money, but do you want to do that because you're supposed to make more money? Is that your resolution because you are needing to do that because you want more stuff to numb you from the world around you, from what's actually going on in your life. Some people say, I want to lose a few pounds, and believe me, I get it. I am the same way with the COVID-19. But do you want to actually be healthy? Or is it the metric that you're using? The metric by which we seek to be healthier is sometimes just the number on the scale. And actually the reason that we want to lose weight is because we, it actually has nothing to do with health. It's because we want to be more desirable by somebody else's standards. Health is great, but a lot of times that New Year's resolution doesn't have anything to do with health. What can happen with these New Year's resolutions is that we can take a good, blessed ambition of personal improvement and we can use all of the wrong metrics to measure our success regarding those ambitions. We can use the holy ambition of being better and we use man-made expectations as the measurement. Let me say it again. We can use the holy ambition of being better, of making this year good, of using the time that God gives us on this earth, but we use man-made measurements as the example of whether or not we're succeeding. And what that can lead to sometimes is a tremendously, uh, from a worldly perspective, a successful, a good-looking, a wealthy, and also a somewhat hollow and miserable person. Now, I recognize I'm not saying everybody who's good-looking, wealthy, or successful by the world standards is, is a hollow and miserable person. And I also recognize that I'm speaking to a bunch of people who probably feel the same way that I do. Where you hear over and over again, hey, uh, I know that being wealthy and successful by the world standards won't fill me up, but give me like a cool million and I will let you know if it fills me up or not. Maybe you're in the same place as me. I, I hear that all the time, but I'm like, let me, let me try it out and I'll let you know what happens. But... There is a reason that person after person, generation after generation, has said the same thing over and over and over again. They say, I got everything that I wanted. 
I went to the highest of high in my field. I accomplished more. I had millions of people that knew my name, and it, it didn't make any difference. This happens throughout um, the, the, through different generations. The popular quote that I heard growing up was the one from Jim Carrey, who at one point was the biggest comedian on the planet, and he has this specific quote. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. He was a person who made more money than he ever dreamed of, was more popular, couldn't even walk down the street because of how many people come up and told him they loved what he did. That is the dream for so many people. And he's like, you know what? Wasn't enough. Even for, gen uh, for generations now, uh, millennials or Generation Y, uh, Generation Z folks, there are documentaries coming out on Netflix of popular people um, talking about successful folks. I guess one, the one outlier for uh, millennials and, and Gen Z. We have Tom Brady who came out with his documentary about how he has accomplished mo more than just about any athlete in history. And he's like, there's got to be more to life. Documentaries you can watch on Netflix right now about Taylor Swift, about Sean Mendez. Uh, Taylor Swift selling more records than just about anybody. Sean Mendez, uh, one of the most popular sought-after singers, one of the most popular people on social media. Justin Bieber, who's outsold Elvis. And all of these people are going, you know what? It just wasn't enough. They did everything they were supposed to, and they're still dealing with the same brokenness that we're all dealing with. How many of us substitute wholeness for man-made understanding of success? How many of us substitute wholeness or holiness for man-made understanding of success? And we retool ourselves to do this every year at New Year's sometimes. And sometimes we're actually left getting to those goals by any means necessary because we're told that that's the most important thing sometimes hurting ourselves and others in the process. We have this college ministry called Kairos uh, Des Moines. We, we serve uh, colleges uh, the, in the Des Moines area, whether that's Grandview, Simpson, Drake, DMACC. And we have this movie that uh, we watched recently for Christmas on Netflix called Jingle Jangle. Has anybody seen Jingle Jangle? Yes, hands in here, hands in the chat. Let me know if you've seen it. Um, and the interesting thing about this movie, a lot of people haven't seen it, but it has like 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like a pretty reliable source. So uh, a lot of people have responded to it really well. It's made headlines not just because of the insanely beautiful costuming, uh, not just because of the awesome music. Uh, it was written, the music was written as a collaboration between John Legend and the people who did The Greatest Showman. Like, could you get better couple people? And not only that, but it was a movie that featured an all-black cast in almost every role, which is a fantastic move for representation for kids in our city and across the world. It's a family movie. In the movie Jingle Jangle, it's about a toy maker who played by the great Forrest Whitaker. Uh, he's lost his passion, but is led to do more with the gifts that he's been given through the help of his, of his granddaughter. And this movie has one moment, and I actually threatened uh, Cairo, so I was like, when you, when you have this role, you are constantly looking for sermon illustrations. And this movie, I told Kairos, we could do a whole series on this. We won't, don't worry, Kairos students tuning in. But there was one particular moment in it that's actually a really small moment, but it grabbed me, and I couldn't quit thinking about it. The main villain is played by Keegan-Michael Key, who's a great uh, comedian, both on TV and online, and... It has this moment where he's being introduced for all of his successes that he's had. 
He's stolen a lot of them from the main character, but he's taken what he's stolen and continued to work exhaustively his entire life to prove his worth and his value to the world. And everyone in the room is going crazy and applauding, and the camera zoomed in on his face before uh, anybody else can see him. He's still behind uh, the camera, or I'm sorry, he's still behind the curtain. And I actually took a screenshot of the actual thing. Because if you look, this is a person who had everything in this movie world that he ever wanted and more, and all you can see on his face is this look of fear, this look of hollowness, this look of knowing that no matter what he's done, it's never going to be enough. Just like our own endeavors of personal achievement, he knows that on his own, it's never going to get there. He's lived his whole life trying to prove the worth that he can't quite give himself. He's looking for somebody else's approval because he isn't getting it somewhere else. And our story from the Bible actually has something to say about this as well. You see, the last time I was up here around Thanksgiving, we were looking at the story of Mary when she was visited by an angel. This angel shows up to tell this girl in her early to mid-teens that she was going to have a baby never, despite never having taken the prerequisites, if you catch my drift. And it's this big moment in history and in scripture where they, there's this miraculous engagement with a holy messenger of God coming out to tell Mary this is going to happen before the pregnancy happens, which is a great heads up on, on God's part. And then there's Joseph's story today. Let's picture it from Joseph's perspective. He and Mary were promised to each other through an an arrangement made by their parents. That's just the truth. Um, It was a different time back then. There wasn't dating like we know it now. It certainly wasn't the Hallmark movie we might experience. But they likely knew each other growing up. They knew that this was the person they were promised to, and they were going to make a life together. They likely grew up knowing that this was going to be the case. This was the person they were going to end up with. And Mary shows up, and you can picture Joseph probably being like, hey, Mary, you know, I'm excited about this. We're going we're gonna to make a family soon, and we're going to, you know, I'm, I've been trying to get my stuff together, and here we go, and I'm excited. And, and then Mary says, hey, so Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant. And Joseph has to think to himself, okay, I, I know that this isn't the romance that we understand now, but there had to be a sense of rejection in the, on behalf of Joseph. You see, He had to think to himself, I guess she didn't want this life with me. I guess she didn't think that I could provide for her. I mean, I guess I didn't seem like the type of husband that she wanted. She went and she found somebody else. Now, here's the thing. He could have raised a big scene about it, and if he wanted to, uh, he could have likely gotten her jailed or killed based off of the customs at the time, especially because they were from a smaller town, that she could have disappeared and nobody would have known. He could have made that happen. But guess what? One of the biggest examples of character we get from Joseph in the Bible is that he decided to end their engagement quietly and move on. We don't have historical reason. There's a lot of argument, you know, was Joseph an old man? You know, was Mary just another one of his wives? We don't have a reason to believe that Joseph was more than several years older than Mary himself. Uh, The Bible doesn't mention a ton of other wives that Joseph had. So he was likely just a young man looking to continue the craft of his father in a smaller town, was looking to continue on and try to make the type of life that he was told he was supposed to have. It's a tough spot he's in, right? Mary shows up telling him the story that the pregnancy was because of God. 
And then Joseph has a dream, which you know had to be miraculous and convincing because he wakes up and does what it says. An angel visits him in the dream. You heard the scripture read. And it says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because this baby is God with us. And so Joseph goes overnight from being able to end, the mar- end his marriage with this apparently scandalous woman, being in all of the position of power in this situation, to putting himself directly in the middle of that scandal. He puts himself right in there, uh, taking the risk of alienating and bringing shame on his own family, who are probably thinking, what are you doing? You are throwing it all away. But the angel convinced Joseph in the dream. And the subtext of what the angel is telling Joseph is something that I don't want us to miss because I think it has a lot for us as we look into 2021. Uh, Feel free to flip open to your Bibles. We're going to Matthew chapter 1. We're actually going to start in verse 20. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Feel free to look it up on your screens, whatever that is. All the teachers in the room say amen when I say that uh, if you see scripture, if you bring it with you, and this is, I know John and Pastor Hurst will continue to talk about this as well, bring your Bibles with you because if you see it in front of you, you will make more and better connections in your brain. So there you go. Um, I will start reading here in chapter 1, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I do not anticipate this will literally occur to you, but the thing that I don't want us to miss is this. What the angel is saying, what the subtext of you take a zoomed out 10,000 foot view of what the angel is saying to Joseph, it's saying this, hey Joseph, I know that this doesn't look like what you thought it would. I know that it's going to take a step of faith, or a leap of faith, or several leaps of faith for you. I know that you have been working hard to do all of the things to guarantee a successful life by everyone else's standards. The angel says, but God is inviting you into something bigger than checking boxes that the world drew up. The angel is saying, God is looking to lead you into new territory where you're playing a larger part in God's story as God seeks to bring the kingdom of heaven into our community. The angel is essentially saying, this route looks nothing like what you wanted or expected, but this route that's unexpected is God here with us. I've still been talking about the Joseph story for the last couple minutes, by the way, but you can put your name in there too. Because as we enter into 2021, the invitation isn't to go along to get along. It's not to try to make things go back to the way that they used to be because before the pandemic or any of the things that happened, because God is inviting us to live for things that are deeper than the simple expectations of the world. I was making jokes about resolutions earlier, and some of you are watching this, and you're like, that's really cute, Chris. I like the jokes, whatever, but I will watch Jingle Jangle. But I need 2021 to be better, or I'm not going to make it. A lot of people are saying, listen, I need 2021 to be different because mental health-wise, I don't think I'm going to survive. I'm going to snap. My broken relationships aren't going to make it. My sobriety is not going to make it if 2021 isn't any different. 
And I completely agree with that. We cannot squander this opportunity to learn what this last year has taught us and what God has taught us through the circumstances of this last year. And from the looks of it, it looks like maybe people are starting to figure some things out. I made jokes about, I made the, the, the jokes about the New Year's resolutions for next year. Here's what the New Year's resolutions actually are for 2021, the most popular ones, according to the internet. People want to connect with more friends and family and the people that they love. They want to make lasting personal connections, more frequently and deeper connections. People want to have good mental health. People are saying, I want to find a therapist. I want to get into some counseling. I want to, which we are unabashedly pro here at Hope. I see a therapist and it is totally fine to ask for help if you need it. Some people are saying, I'm going to try to find some help or at least some support for the coping mechanisms that have strengthened during this difficult year. Another one that people are saying, I want to spend time, I made the joke about the, uh, the, the hobbies, People are saying, I want to spend time doing, thing, spend time doing things that I love. Not in the individualistic or, or kind of uh, self-aggrandizing way, but saying, I want to spend the time that God has given me using the things that God's blessed me with. People are starting to figure it out. They sound a little bit different than making more money, traveling, and losing weight. <laughs> Plenty of people come to church saying, they have before, they're saying it, now, they've saying it during the season, they're saying it in the future. They're saying, I'm looking for purpose. My question for us as we enter into 2021 is what are you doing on purpose? Let me say it again. If you're looking for your purpose, my question to you is what are you doing on purpose? What's behind the things that you want to do? What are behind the goals that you have, the choices that you make? Is it to appease someone else, live into someone else's expectation, or is it for something more? Now, if you've been hurt by the church in the past, you might think I'm pulling a bait and switch and you're saying, no, 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 you see, churches can do that too. And I totally agree. Please don't walk into these doors this year with a perfect Christian, in quotes, mask on to try to live into, instead of living into the world's expectations and do an impression of somebody out there, don't come in here and do an impression of John or Pastor Hurst or myself or anybody else here. Let your purpose come from a real relationship with the God of the universe. Let your purpose come from the Jesus that died for you. Let your purpose come from the individual relationship that doesn't have anything else to do but between you, God's word, and God. Not somebody else's expectations. Now, you might say to me, okay, that's great, but like I'm new to this church thing. How am I supposed to know what that looks like? How am I supposed to know if I'm doing it for the right reason or if I'm doing it for something that actually matters? Here's a good test. Look at your end goal. What are, you, what are you aiming at? Are you wanting to prosper financially simply to put more stuff around you to numb yourself out? Or is it because you dream of being generous with others and helping people that need help? Are you wanting to be fit to live a long life of loving people well so that your kids, your nieces and nephews, your family, your friends, your grandkids can see you and be in a relationship with you so that you can take care of people? Or is it so you can look for people to assign you value that you can't quite give yourself? Are you wanting to success in a certain field or in a certain activity because you need that validation from other people? Or is it because you're using the blessing that God has given you? Are you looking to numb yourself? Or are you looking to actually take care of yourself this year because you believe that you're actually worth it? Because God thinks that you're worth it.
Maybe some real life examples for you. It looks like living into what you believe is important. It can look like the woman who emailed me about joy to the city. Uh, she emailed me apologizing all over the place. She says, I'm so sorry my gifts are late. Because they were running late because she had just started worshiping online a couple months ago at Hope. And she admitted she's actually never been to one of our buildings before. Because she lives in Chicago. She had been so moved by talking about our program and what God is doing in our city that she signed up to sponsor a kid in a city in a state that she didn't even live in. God bless you for that. Being motivated by your values can look like the volunteers who served at Legacy Hope and Legacy Elam, some for years, knowing exactly what things were supposed to look like, knowing exactly their lane, knowing exactly their seat, knowing exactly where, kind of just the way that things are supposed to go. And living into your values looks like instead of saying, you know what, this isn't really my style, this is a great time for me to step back and quote-unquote get my needs met, instead, they prayerfully stepped into the discomfort of doing things a different way. Because they knew it wasn't about them, it's about what God is trying to do through us. Maybe it looks like the college students uh, from around this area, some as far as Simpson driving in, um, to take part in a new college ministry that just started from the ground up in a building that just got taken over by a church because God called them to be leaders in their community. And I'm going to talk to the cameras just for a second. So glad you all are here. Maybe it also looks like this person who's not about all of the technology stuff it's never been your thing before. But you learned how to stream church. You stepped into discomfort and you're showing up every week, connecting with us through a screen because you have to make the smart choice to keep yourself and others safe, but you still want to connect to your church community. Please know that we are so glad that you are here. Please know that we view that what you're doing is not secondary to being here. You are with us here. We are praying for you. Maybe it looks like a seasoned gentleman in his garage lifting a kettlebell. Yes, that one sounded weird. There's this video that went viral, a commercial actually. It's a German commercial that perfectly shows what it's like to step into discomfort, uncertainty, and sacrifice again and again, all for the purpose of what he loves, all for the purpose of what's really important. Let's take a look. I'm not crying, you're crying. <clears throat> Those German healthcare commercials, I tell you what. There's a passage in Romans chapter 12, uh, the very beginning of Romans chapter 12 actually, translated by Eugene Peterson, the Bible. He said in the message translation, uh, Eugene Peterson says, take your everyday walking around life and dedicate it as a gift to God. Take your everyday walking around life and dedicate it to God. The author that wrote that is trying to talk to a group of Christians about living into the promise of what God has uniquely blessed them to do. Not chase some version of somebody else's happiness. My prayer for you and for all of us is that we would be like the man in our video and be able to clearly see on the other half 
on the other side of our goals, of our resolutions, of our personal improvement, that we would see the love and relationship on the other side with the people that God put in our lives that we can bless. We have a challenge every uh, we have a challenge every week at Kairos and Revive to just what's the next step of what we're going to do. Because I don't want you to just leave and be like, well, that was nice. It was a really cute video. And then, then Monday is terrible and it's just back to usual. So here's our challenge for this week. What's something that you hope for this new year? Maybe that's for yourself. Maybe that's for the world. What do you hope for this new year? What's at the center of that hope? Because guess what? There is one step you can take this week to walk towards using your gifts for the hope that you want and bringing God's kingdom here. It's on your heart for a reason. It's in your mind for a reason. We are all blessed uniquely with ways that God is looking to bless the world through us. So as you look at how you want the world to be different this New Year's, making resolutions for yourself or just how you want things to be different, what's really resonating with you What's one thing God's placed in your hand, uniquely you, to be able to make that world a little bit better, to bring God's kingdom here, to bring the kingdom that Jesus died for and was resurrected for back here? You, yes, you. Somebody in here is thinking, yes, everybody but me, but I mean you. What's one step? If you can't think of one, you're thinking too big. Cut it in half. What's one step towards, you can make towards that this week? And then another and then another. Because just like Joseph, we want to say yes to the invitation of living into God's story. We want to say yes to having purpose by living on purpose. May we get to do that this week. May we live our purpose from Jesus by living on purpose. Amen. We're going to sing one more song. Um, but as we do that, the invitation would be uh, for you to receive it as you would. If you need a few moments of quiet in your day, we're going to play music so it won't be totally quiet. But if you need some moments just to be still, then take that as your gift. If you receive things, if you need to take time to pray, go for it. If you need to stand up and shout to the mountaintops that you are grateful that Jesus got you through this year, then we can do that too. So however you'll receive this, I'll invite, it, invite you, if that's how you choose, to stand and we will worship together. Thank you.